Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. You guys ready for the word? Yeah? Um, I have been excited about this series we've started. And um, we've got citizens of heaven. Sometimes I think myself, Dan, you're way too big to be right in the middle with that. So hopefully you guys can see. I'll move around a little bit every now and then. But citizens of heaven. And our hope and our desire in this particular series is that we will look to eternity. That we'll have our eyes, whilst we, we walk this earth right now, that we'll actually have our eyes set on eternity. That we'll be reminded of the great plan, the great hope that our Lord God has given us. And before I get too far, this is Dylan, everyone. Um, everyone say hi, Dylan. Dylan's a legend. Actually, Dylan gave his life to Christ about, what, two months ago? Roughly, give us say. Um, and he's just been on fire. He's been doing well. And I said, you should come for a drive with me and uh, keep me company. He's got a good conversation with him. So he's doing so well. I'm proud of him. He's a legend. And um, this is his second Christian church he's ever been part of. And uh, he's been to Mount Annan and now he's been to Blue Mountains. And so I said, mate, you're getting the real deal tonight. So you are, you're going to love it up here. Um, but yeah, to have our eyes set on heaven And to remind ourselves that we are indeed citizens of heaven. In other words, that is where we belong one day. Has anyone ever been to an airport beforehand? You've got your citizenship or your your passport. And I say, where are you from? Where do you belong? This is where we belong one day. And that this this life that we have, it it comes and goes. And so I know Dave, um, he preached a word that was similar to mine last week. I actually said to Kieran, um, can, can you send me your notes of what you took last week? I was putting him to the test to see whether he actually was taking notes and whether he was actually listening to Dave's preaching last week. And to his credit, he gave me an outline of the preaching. And so, well done. You passed the test there, Kizza. You, you did really well. And uh, so I know what you guys have talked about last week, which is really cool. And um, I want to build on that here today, which is great. And really, a big question we asked last week was, is this the end? Are, are we kind of in end times right now? And we know that Dave established this thought that, yes, we are, from the sense of when Jesus ascended to heaven, we started this idea of him being in last days. And some people will ask the question, well, what's taking him so long if you know, we're in end days and last days and whatnot right now? And we then talked about the fact that you know, there is, there's like in, in, in God's eyes, that one day is like a thousand and, and a thousand years like one day in God's eyes. And so his concept of time is very different to ours. Let me ask the question, is Jesus coming back? And everyone said? Yeah. Yes, he is. Absolutely he is. I'm going to get a bit of interact with you guys tonight, okay? Just make sure we're nice and warm in the, in the mountains area up here. And then I guess we close with this question. I'm going to close with this question again today, which is, are we ready? Are we ready? One day when the Lord comes, are we ready? And my hope and my prayer is that every single person here today won't be living in a place of fear, won't be living in a place of worry, won't be living in a place of, of, of being scared, but rather prepared for our destination where we're going one day, which is what it's all about, this series. And this question, I guess this, this focus for today, this message I want to bring today is, obviously we said that, is it sort of end times going? So yes, it is. But today I want to talk about what's it going to look like? What's going to happen? 
And I want to go through some of the big chunky blocks of, I guess, a bit of teaching here tonight to be able to just outline some of what's going to take place so that we have a bit more of an understanding, a knowledge on this, but hopefully a revelation that will then help us to live the life that we're called to live right here, right now. I started last week, I know that Dave kicked off this sort as well, was that we've got nothing to fear. In fact, John chapter 14, verses 1, this is Jesus' words talking about the end. He says, actually, don't let your hearts be troubled. And he says that because I'm leaving the Holy Spirit with you until I personally come back. So don't let your hearts be troubled. And today, I guess I want to speak into some of uh, Jesus' teaching on Matthew chapter 24. If you want to turn your Bibles there uh, tonight. Jesus is teaching Matthew 24, where he indeed talks about the end times. And I guess I want to make sure that we are aware that in this sort of half an hour slot I have right now with you guys, I'm going to give you a bit of a download, knowing that we can't achieve everything tonight. Who knows that people literally give their whole life to, to studying end times and revelations and so forth. They literally like pour out the whole life into that sort of space. So I want us to be able to coach and understand that in this perspective, we're going to go through some of the big rocks, the main thoughts, um, and then certainly I'd be more than keen to be able to have more conversations with you guys later on for more depth. But we're going to go through the main thoughts. Um, why, don't you, why don't we pray? Why don't you close our eyes, bow our heads, and... Uh, give this time to the Lord. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is true. We thank you that it is powerful. And we thank you that's all that we need in regards to knowing what to do and where to go, how to live. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, that he was sent to be able to live the perfect life, to be the example for us. And one day, Lord Father, he then died, rose again, and gave us the opportunity to be able to be saved from our sins. God, we give you today all the glory and Father God, we pre-commit all our praise to you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. I've actually got some good news. Um, I had one or two people, and I know Dave asked me during the week, uh, there's a couple here in church that wanted to, to find out. We've actually extended uh, the opportunity to be getting involved in the marriage retreat. And, uh, and so the marriage retreat, we wanted to be able to make sure we had enough people to be able to make it happen, and we do it. We've got, we've got more than enough people to make it happen. In fact, we've actually now got a larger room to be able to facilitate more people to be able to come if they want to be able to come, which is really cool. And so we've got a guy called Darren Chapman. He's like he's like just a machine when it comes to invest into marriages and life. And he's just like the greatest of guys. And uh, he's going to come in on the Saturday morning to invest specifically into marriages. And I would just love to encourage that if you weren't able to get a hold of that, I'm looking around seeing some marriages right now. Um, if you weren't able to do that for whatever reason, um, then we'd love to invite you. And it's still an opportunity to register. And so if you want more details on that, let M or or Dave know, and uh, you guys can go from there. But Matthew 24, uh, verses 1 through to 14. I'm reading from the New King James Version. How do we go, Zeke? You get that? Yep, thumbs up. He's, he's a machine. He's ready to go. Isn't Zeke a good guy? I love Zeke. He's, he's, he's a, a good-looking rooster, and he's a good guy behind the machine out there as well. He's doing a great job. So Then Jesus departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Now, you've got to remember, the temple of the time was the most glorious of buildings. It was spectacular. Now, Ali and I, we had actually the opportunity this year to be able to go to Italy, and I went to a whole bunch of different places, and, and at the centre of most of these beautiful towns was huge, 
historic cathedrals. And they were some of the most beautiful buildings that you've ever seen. And during this time, the temple, it was the centerpiece of the community. People would go there, they'd worship. It was like, you know, it was filled with gold and expensive materials. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful place to be. And Jesus comes and says, hey, everything you see right now, guess what? It's all coming down. He says, Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another. And that happens. 70 years later in 70 AD, Rome, they invade Jerusalem and the temple, it is destroyed in that moment, thus fulfilling the prophecy that Jesus gave during this time. So then he sat on the Mount of Olives, verse 3, and the disciples came with him, private, came to him privately. Now, I don't know you guys, but I, get, I feel a bit sorry sometimes for the disciples. You know, they, they were like experiencing just the most craziest things during the time. They were seeing Jesus heal. They were seeing Jesus do, um, you know, obviously set people free. They were seeing him speak to multitudes of people. Miracles were happening, water into wine, you know, the distribution of the bread and the fish and so forth. They were experiencing the most craziest things. And... What they do here is that they've heard these things about sort of end times, sort of preaching and, and teaching from Jesus. But they said, hey, I want to come to you privately. Can I, can I come and like get like a more of a, a, an intimate time? And so they, they, they pull aside a little bit and they ask Jesus this question. Like, hey, can you help a brother out basically? He's saying, he's saying tell us when all these things are going to happen. Then they ask two questions. What will be the sign of your coming? And then the ends of the age. So two questions. And notice that they are often actually two questions that so many of us would also ask as well. It's like, what, what's, what's going to happen? How's this all working out? When, when's it going to happen? What are the signs? And, and so these two questions that the disciples are, are asking, they're actually the very similar questions that no doubt you and I from Tom and Tom have also wanted to ask as well. You doing okay? Yeah, yeah okay. Oh, great, cool. Um, and so, because we've got one person doing okay, that's, that's good. All right. And then Jesus answered, and I've actually loved, loved Jesus because he doesn't necessarily just answer them straight away with the kind of answer that they want to receive. Okay. He actually says, take heed that no one deceives you. Can, can I just take a moment right now just to remind us that we're living in a day and age where, where information is flowing in thick and fast. Everyone has their own ideas Everyone has their own concepts. Everyone has their own beliefs. Everyone has their own truths. Ever heard that say before? Well, this is not my truth. Well, I'd hate to break it to you. If it's your truth, it's not the truth. And so we've got this happening all the time. And I actually feel like the world right now, it is a tinderbox for deception. A tinderbox for deception. The Bible actually says that he will come to kill, steal and destroy. But how does he do that? He often starts with deception. He'll try and confuse. He'll try and bring a different thought. And how do I know this? Well, he's been doing it since the beginning of time. You see, in Genesis chapter 3, we actually see the very first words that, the, that Satan actually brings through the and he actually says, um, oh, Eve, she's looking at this beautiful fruit. And she says, oh, I love me some of that sort of fruit. But then she thinks, oh, no, 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 it's not the right fruit. I've been told I shouldn't leave that alone. But then we actually see the serpent come along and say, hey, did God really say not to have the fruit? And so deception is sown. And Adam and Eve obviously bring that on, take that on. They eat the fruit. We see from the very beginning that deception is something that the enemy 
It does. So did God really say it? And this is why I'm actually so passionate at the fact that we need to know the living Word of God. We need to know what He actually said. And so when we know what He says, we know that what the enemy says is then a lie. You know, I'm in utter disbelief these days that we are living in a world where there's mass confusion when it comes to sexuality, to gender, to the sacredness of life. You know, I'm, and it grieves me that we are now living in a world where Parliament actually has to argue, is it right for the, and a failed abortion to be in a place where the young life can actually live? Or should it be just left there? The fact that we're, you know, we're getting pretty serious right now, but I want us to be able to understand this is the deception, this is the seeds that are being sown today that we need to be aware of because the enemy, he's actually really good at trying to deceive. You got to actually understand this. And I want us to encourage us as a people of God, the best ways to inoculate yourselves against deception, it is to actually get yourself ingrained into the Word of God so that you can know, is what I'm hearing, is what I'm seeing, is what I'm experiencing right now, does it line up with the Word of God? And if it doesn't, then it's a lie. But the second way we do it is that we actually come so passionate and so, so um, uh, inviting of the power of the Holy Spirit, the person, the presence, and the encounter of the Holy Spirit, that when your spirit will then actually give you nudges and, and leadings. The amount of times I've been in times where I've just felt the Holy Spirit lead me in a different direction or say, hey, Dan, why don't you put the handbrakes on that just for a second there? That is the power and the person of the Holy Spirit doing that. And we want to be able to find ourselves not being deceived by doing those two things. Verse 5, sorry, I need to keep on going. Verse 5. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of many wars and rumours of wars. um, See that you're not troubled. Why don't you turn the person right next to you and say, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. Don't, Don't be troubled, okay? Don't be troubled, all right? Don't be troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and, and pestilences. I said to our, our Manhattan crew this morning, I've never, I don't think I've ever used the word pestilence um, in, in a sentence before, before this scripture here. But pestilence, that's like the epidemics, they're, 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 they're the diseases. And so you can imagine, obviously in our time previously in the last few years, that the rise of COVID and epidemics and so forth, people have been asking this question, is this the end? What's, is this what's going on? And so pestilences and earthquakes in various places, and these are what we call the beginnings of sorrow. Isn't this like a, a really encouraging verse that we're reading right now? Hey, I hope you all feel encouraged right now. Then they said, it gets better. Then, then they said, they will deliver you. This is false prophets. They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all the nations for my name's sake. Just sit and bask in the glory of that verse there, hey? Be encouraged today. <laughs> If today's not your first day in church, like my name's Dan, I'm welcome to church. Hope you, hope you have a great time today. Um, we're going to go some, dive into some, some deep stuff today. And then many will be offended. <laughs> we must be living in 2023. This is, this is a verse for 2023 right now. People being offended. They will betray one another and hate one another. They will, they, they, um, then many false prophets will um, rise up and deceive many. 
And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Isn't it interesting the main commandment that Jesus gives to us is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And then to also love your neighbour as yourself. And it's interesting that as, as, as these times grow closer, the love will decrease. The greatest commandment will decrease. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel, what gospel? As this gospel, the gospel that saves, the gospel that redeems, the gospel that reconciles, this gospel, the gospel that sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to the earth to save us from our sins, who would then live the perfect life, die for us the perfect death in order for us to be reunited with heaven. This gospel we're talking about right now. The gospel that then had his son, Jesus, ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to come into us and we receive it. This is the gospel that we talk about right now. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the earth and all the world as a witness to the nations and then the ends will come. One question when I'm talking to people about sort of the, the end times is, Dan, what's going to happen? Are we going to be okay? And there's a bit of an anxiety. There's sometimes a bit of a worry. There's sometimes a bit of a, just a bit of an unknown I guess today, I guess I wanted to be able to unpack a few major events that are going to take place that we can sort of understand a little bit more. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm an old teacher. Um, I'm I'm feeling older these days, Um, but I used to be a teacher. And uh, and so I used to be writing on the whiteboard. But for today's sake, I want you to be able to sort of imagine um, sort of a bit of a, bit of a timeline. So if, if over here is the present, okay, we're in the present. Do you stand up for a second? All right, so, so Dylan, he's representing the present, okay? All right, you can sit down again. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> so this is the present, and over here is eternity, all right? Phil, stand up. Mr. Eternity over here, everyone, welcome, hey, welcome. All right, so we've got eternity over here. Now, eternity, obviously, is going forever. It doesn't finish, all right? It's forever. There are a few events between eternity and present that are going to take place, okay? And I want to, again, give you the big blocks, the big, the big rocks, because actually this is something that's quite debated within Christian theology. And my, my goal tonight is not to leave you with any kind of controversies. It's actually just to go through some of what Scripture's talking about and for you to encourage then for you guys to dive deep and consider some of these things. So in present times, we then have around this third time here, and this could be, Tomorrow, this could be many, many years away. I don't necessarily, all I know is that today we are closer than yesterday. All right? You know, I want to operate in absolutes right now and not go down any rabbit warrens, okay? So around here, we're going to find ourselves with a time that Jesus talks about and it's called the tribulation, okay? Hands up if you've ever heard about the tribulation before. So I know who's sort of I'm talking to. Tribulation, okay. So the tribulation, um, Daniel and Revelations, it talks about the fact that there will be roughly around seven years of tribulation. And it's divided into two, um, two lots, two, three and a half years, basically. And the first one is called the, the, the day of, uh, so the beginnings of sorrows. The beginnings of sorrows is basically what we actually read about in, just in, in, the, in, the, in the front part of Matthew right there. The beginnings of sorrows. Then the second part is actually then the, the Great Tribulation. And so the Great Tribulation is when the rise of the Antichrist and the rise of, of, of the one world government. And this is basically where the, the point of the world, where I guess it's about as dark as it's going to be. 
You know, Jesus actually says that it'd be look like the times of Noah in, uh, in, in Matthew 24 when you read that. Now, what, what are the days of Noah? Well, the days of Noah were actually marked by wickedness and a godless society. And so we see that the earth, it would be fully grown, it would be groaning in the sense of it would be dark, it would be a, not the greatest place to be around. But I've got hope for you. At the end of the tribulation, that will be marked by the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to go through some of these things in just a little bit. That Jesus will return. Jesus will come back. Jesus will once and for all defeat and banish Satan for all, for all times. And we will see Jesus returns. We'll then see Jesus' reign on new heaven, new earth. And we'll see judgment take place. And we'll see that's the greatest of worship parties, the greatest of experiences. This is where the Bible talks about there'll be no sickness, there'll be no hurt, there'll be no pain, that there will be no cancer, there'll be no kind of financial recessions. Nothing bad will take place. This time we'll be able to actually be partying in heaven and find ourselves in a place where we are indeed experiencing the reign of Jesus Christ. And that'll take place for about a thousand years. And then we actually find ourselves in eternity in heaven for the rest of our times. So that's basically the timeline that takes place. But there's one more thing that often gets debated more than anything else. And that's something called the rapture. Anyone heard the rapture before? Yeah, okay. Everyone still with me? Yeah, yeah okay. If you've got any more questions at the end, you can ask me at the end. That's okay. Um, so the rapture, or P.S., there's actually a few things that I don't fully understand. You might say, well, Daniel, aren't you the pastor? I am the pastor. But there are actually some things I don't fully understand. You see, actually, 2, uh, 2 Timothy talks about the fact of saying that, hey, there are some things where, where faith is indeed a mystery, he says. And actually, I'm actually quite content in not having to understand and know everything. In fact, that actually helps me to know that I'm not God and I need a God who indeed does know everything. So I put my faith in that. But let's look at the rapture just for a little bit. So Matthew 24, verses 40 to 42, says, Then two men will be, on the fi- uh, will be in the field. One will be taken and, and the other will be left. So two men working, one goes, one left. Two women will be grinding at the meal. One will be taken and the, other will, uh, and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Again, Jesus is saying here, get ready. Find yourself in position where you're ready. 1 Thessalonians, let's go to what some of Paul says. And Paul's actually speaking to a, to a, ch- <coughs> to a church. He's speaking to a group of people who actually thought they missed the second coming of the king. They missed Jesus coming back. And they were convinced that they had missed him. And they were worried, they were concerned in Thessalonians. And so let's look at it from um, verse 16 of chapter 4. It says, For the Lord himself, and I love, I don't have time today, but I love the fact that the Lord is not sending one of his best angels. The Lord is not sending a great evangelist. The Lord is not sending any second-rate person. The Lord himself is coming and he will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And first, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. And then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up. Can everyone say caught up? Maybe with a little bit more gusto here tonight. Uh, will someone say, say, say caught up? Caught up. Caught up. Okay, right. Um, and in, in, the, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. 
So this is the moment, this is the rapture where if we're still here on earth and the Lord comes, we're minding our own business and what Matthew was talking, what Jesus was talking about in Matthew, when the two will be there and one will go. We will find ourselves being what we call raptured into heaven. So <laughs> encourage each other with these words. Here Paul uses these words, being caught up. Okay? And I look at did a bit of research into this. So the word caught up comes from the Greek word um, called hapazo. Okay? Hapazo is a Greek word which literally means being brought up. Okay? And that Greek word translated into Latin, excuse my bad Latin, by the way, it's my Australian edition of Latin. Um, it says um, rapturo, which is where we get the word raptor. And you know, like a raptor bird will dive into the water and they'll pluck the prey out and they'll bring it up with them. It's also the word where we get the grounds and the word from the word rapture. So we see that there will be a form of a rapture. Now the biggest debate is, does the rapture sort of happen over here before the tribulation? Does it happen during the tribulation? Does it happen at the second coming of Christ. This is a great debate that if you were to Google right now, you'll get probably 15, 20 different perspectives taking place and all justifications and scriptural to back up those sort of thoughts. Tonight is not my not to be able to say that what I personally believe. In fact, I actually think I can see evidence for, 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 for a variety of different perspectives there. The way I, I like to be, I'd like to do with, with a little bit of humour with you guys right now. And I actually think that there's, a, in my head, this is where my head goes, all right? So bear with me and permission to smile as well um, as I do this. But I, 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 I got this bit of a picture at times where in heaven, I can imagine like a, a big red button that says, rapture, do not touch. Yeah, all right. That's what I'm sort of picturing in heaven. Some, some, some sort of like rapture, do not touch. And who knows that if you see a, a sign that says, do not touch, what do you want to do? You want to touch it, okay? And I'm also picturing... This angel, I don't know what his name is. He's an important angel. He's in, he's in, he's in heaven. And uh, his job is to do a bit of cleaning. Okay. And say, so, here comes the angel. All right. Or a chicken, whatever you want to look at. <laughs> and his job is got the cleaning. All right. So he comes around and sees the big sign. He goes, he's cleaning around it. Doesn't touch it. Then he's really intrigued. He's... There's no God around. Okay, that's all right. Fantastic. A little bit of a touch. Comes over here. He's like, oh, it wasn't too bad. I didn't touch it. Next minute, Enoch is up in heaven. The Bible says that Enoch was literally walking with God and up he goes. God comes along and says, what's Enoch doing up here? The angels of the Lord are like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Shouldn't have done that. So no reason. I'm sorry, 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 sorry. Anyway, all right, Enoch's done. He's up here. All right, don't do that again, God says. Come look over. A few years later. A little bit of a touch again. We then see whoosh, Elijah's riding in a chariot, and all of a sudden, the chariot disappears. Elijah comes up and goes, I've got Elijah with me now. What is going on? Stop touching the button. What's going on? Angel's like, sorry, 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 sorry. I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do that. 2,000 years later. Ch -ch 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 
washing, 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 cleaning, cleaning. Little bit of a button, push. Whoosh. Jesus on the Mount of Olives. He says, surely I'll be with you all the days. The angel says, we'll see about that. Up he goes. <laughs> and we, start, we then see that Jesus comes up. He, he ascends to heaven, the Bible says. Here's the thing. One day, the Lord himself, one day, the only the Lord knows, Matthew talks about, that this will be the time when the Lord says, now is the time. You know, in heaven, I, I actually pictured Jesus being so ready to come back. You've got to understand that him coming is a love story. Him coming back is his, is his love for his people. I can see him saying, I'm ready to be able to come back and be the redeemer and be the rescuer of my people. But no, it's the heart of God in 2 Peter. It talks about the fact that, that he actually doesn't want to see any perish. So he's given opportunities for people to come to know him during this time. And only, the Bible says, only the Father knows the time and the place when that's going to happen. And that time, there will be an almighty pressing on the button and we will find ourselves living with God. And they are the days I cannot wait for. You, wait for. And this is why when it comes to a, a certain theology of end times, I personally subscribe to the theology of, of, of Acts 1.8 and, and when it says, be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and be my witnesses. Now that scripture is often misrepresented and taken out of context because it's actually in the context of the disciples asking, what's going to happen long term? And Jesus is like saying, don't get like distracted by all the other things. Be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and be my witnesses. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and get busy in the kingdom of God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and have your eyes turned to the kingdom of God, he's saying. Don't get distracted with all these other things, he's saying. And so my heart, my prayer is that we'll have our eyes set on the kingdom, that we'll have our eyes set on character, We'll set out, have our eyes set on, on things like holiness and purity and living in obedience to God's Word. This is what I'm hoping for. Now, some of you are probably thinking over here, like, right, well, you just told me then there's going to be a tribulation. Now, the tribulation is going to be some, some, some dark times. Let me talk about a little bit in regards to that. What Jesus is saying here in Matthew 24 is that there is going to be um, what we, the Bible calls birth pains, Okay. I see we've got a few mums in the house here right now, okay? You will know that, mums will know this, the dads have got no idea, but the mums will know that the, the pain levels of pregnancy are very different in your first month than what they would be like right at the end of pregnancy. We know that the, obviously the contractions and the pains, they'll rise. And the Bible talks about the fact that the closer towards the end of times will be a time when there's the most pain the earth will experience. But who knows that if you're going through birthing pains, that you're also then, you're going to be birthing something. And this is the great hope that we have, that during the birthing pains that take place, there is also the hope that the greatest thing, the greatest miracle will be birthed during that time as well. That during full-blown labour, we're going to experience Jesus' return during that time. Matthew 24, verses 21, it says, For, there, so then, so for then there will be great tribulation, not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. So these will become the darkest days the world has ever known. But the Bible also prophesies that this will be the greatest time where the light will shine brighter than ever before. If I had a torch with me right now and I turned all these lights off, you'll be able to see the light shine brighter than before. 
If I have all these lights on and I shine the torch, you'll still be able to see the torch, but it won't come to the same kind of effect. And here's the, here's the promise, that as the days get darker, his light will shine greater. And it'll actually be during those times the greatest points of salvation will take and evangelism will take place as well. So I'm firstly thankful that God has a plan. I'm thankful that God is a rescuer. I'm thinking that God has already made a way for us. And I can't wait for the day of the Lord. You know, when it comes to, you know, the, the, um, that, that uh, Thessalonian scripture, you know, and the, the clouds in the sky and the trumpet being blown. I don't know about you, but I, I hear a trumpet being blown these days. I'm repenting just in case, all right? I'm, I'm ready. Like, Anzac Day is a terrible day for me. I hear the trumpets going everywhere and I'm repenting left, right and center. I'm getting ready for the Lord coming. If it's a cloudy day, especially, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, ready. <laughs> but the Bible says that no man will know the day of the Lord. No woman as well. Can I go old school just for a second? Maybe turn back a little bit. Believers who are living with one foot in the world and one foot in Christ. Revelations talk about this idea of being lukewarm. Paul talks about this idea of gaining the world and losing your soul. I wonder if we can be stirred up here when we are indeed fully prepared that when that trumpet is blown and it will be obvious, it will be known, it will be glorious that we would have this confidence that yes, we are indeed ready. You see, we live in such, what's the best way to put this? We live in such uh, grace-saturated preaching. That's not necessarily just from this pulpit. We, we, we live in a world today that's like grace, 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 grace. And look, I've been saved by grace. I'm thankful for grace. I am I'm in awe of the grace of God. Yet there's also the profound truth of us being held and being able to walk a certain line that God's got for us. I actually believe that one of the greatest parts of grace that God gives us, He actually tells us what's going to happen. And say, so we're not being scared, but we can be prepared for the coming of the Lord. We've got to live with eternity in sight. And I feel like the, the, that God is calling his church, his beautiful bride, his people to a place of holiness. That we should be stirred up to live according to his ways. You know, uh, Hebrews chapter 12 verses 14 it says, Without holiness, no man will see God. My prayer is that C3 New Hope Blue Mountains, every single person who's a part of our church now and to come, we stir it up with the power and the passion of God and that they will indeed have a desire to live out holy, obedient lives that glorify Him. So I know that God wants us to be set free from the powers of sin and we can do that as we can in our lives and surrender our lives to Him. And I believe it's time for the church to wake up. It's time for the church to be able to rise up in spirit. And I, I'm not deliberately trying to poke the bear or maybe I am here tonight. Maybe I am wanting to stir up something within us today. But I wonder when, when has our worship become so much of, such a thing of convenience? And I, this is not the case for here. <laughs> but I had a crack at some of our guys at Mount Evan this morning. A crack that was more of a loving gesture towards them. So when does our worship become this? Oh God, oh God, oh God. When has our worship got to a place where, you know what, I'll just go to church maybe once every two or three weeks when it works. 
I said to our guys this morning that on days when it's raining, we actually see probably close to 20% less of the church come. When has it got to a place where our worship has become a convenience? We've got to remember that He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of it all. And it's not necessarily just even a church thing. This is like being Christ in the marketplace and being the difference that God's called us to be. My prayer is that we'll be stirred up here tonight, that we'll be stirred up in the Spirit. And hey, He is worthy of the worship, that the exaltation towards Jesus should never be based on our, our, on our convenience. For Ali and I, we, we follow this scripture, we live by this scripture, but as for me and my household, we will worship the Lord, we will serve the Lord. I love this, um, this thought even from Hebrews 10.25. We know it says, don't forsake the gathering. And often we leave it at that. But the next part of that scripture actually then says, as the days of the Lord come closer, or as you see the day of the Lord approaching, Again, we're talking about the fact that we are, we, are, we are moving towards these days. What's he saying? Don't forsake the gathering. Find ourselves in connect groups. I love the fact that you guys are doing, most of you guys are doing yours on Friday nights, yeah? I'm pretty sure you guys do that. I love the fact that there's so many of you guys involved in connect groups. Pour into your connect group. Invest into them. Be a contributor into your connect groups. Serve in his house. Shine in the marketplace. These are the things that I believe God's calling us to. Okay, so I need to come on moving. Um, during the tribulation, the Bible says that there'll be a, a rise of a chap called the Antichrist. Oh, the Antichrist. Here we go. All right, now we're getting a bit interesting here. All right, the Antichrist is being sent to imitate Christ. That's his job. The Antichrist will be a counterfeit Christ. He'll be a fake, and, that's, and, and nothing more than a fake. Who knows there's nothing worse than a fake? Yeah? I shared the story this morning when Ali and I, we went to uh, Phuket for our honeymoon in Thailand. And uh, it, was, it was awesome. Um, and we went to, like, everything's a lot cheaper over there and there's a lot of fun. Um, and we didn't go to a street store. We actually went to a, a marketplace, to an actual shop. And I really, really wanted a new watch, okay? My watch had died um, beforehand. So I said, when I go overseas, I'll get a new watch and we'll invest into a new watch. And so I went to this shop and I found a new watch. Ali's like, what do you need a new watch for? And I said to her, babe, my, 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 uh, my, my, my love language is quality time, okay? So I need, I need, I need a nice new watch, everyone. Um, and so I found myself, I see some of the dads laughing at jokes, that's very good. Um, and I said, let's get a new watch. And so I got a new watch and uh, it needed to be adjusted. So I got back to Australia and got the watch adjusted. And um, at that time, the guy says, gee, I hope you haven't spent hundreds of dollars on this. And I said to him, define what hundreds of dollars means to you. <laughs> but I got this watch and he says, I've got a, got a break to you. you. You just bought a fake. You bought a fake. And so the week beforehand, I was in church, you know, praising the Lord with the watch in the hand and all that kind of stuff and, you know, you know, making sure the glory of the Lord could see my watch. And next week, I'm like, it's worth nothing. It's a fake. In the same way, the Antichrist will be like a fake. It'll be an imitation of Jesus. My point is, the Antichrist will be the devil's attempt actually to create a son. The father created Jesus, his son. Satan will create a slave named the Antichrist. Now, we know that there's the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, right? Now, what on the other side of the equation, because there's everything of the kingdom, there's an equal opposite. Not an equal opposite, but an, an opposite. 
okay? And there'll be Satan, Antichrist, and what we know as the false prophets. And there's so much to say here, but basically um, the, the Antichrist, his job will be to round up and to, to deceive people. And this is all happening during the tribulation time, okay? This is happening during the tribulation time. Now, some people think that he'll have, you know, red eyes and horns on his head and, and, a, and a nice long tail and a pitchfork and that kind of thing. Can I tell you, that's, that's not how it will be. The Antichrist will actually be a political genius. He'll be sharp. He'll be eloquent. He'll be a great orator. He'll bring peace. He'll find himself being very successful. He'll be brilliantly business-minded. This is the Antichrist. He'll actually be attractive to everything the world would actually represent. The Bible says that he'll seemingly die one day. I say seemingly because I actually don't think he's any... He'll seemingly die and then he'll seemingly come back to life again just like Jesus did. Now, I say seemingly because I don't believe that the Satan has any kind of power to resurrect. And so I think there'll be a deception. I think there'll be an illusion that takes place. And the Bible says that every eye will see this. But what it'll do, it'll capture the heart of the world in this moment and evil will be unleashed on the planet during this time. This is what we call the Great Tribulation time. Everyone still with me? You can imagine my research in the last few weeks of going through Daniel and Revelations. My head's been going to do some, some deep places. But it's all about glorifying man during this time and displacing the supremacy of God. This is the attempt and the desire of the Antichrist. Jack, can you help me? Can you fly in the background? Just maybe you need to help me out a little bit here. I wouldn't be a good preacher if I left it here today. You guys walk out feeling, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. What follows the tribulation? Remind me. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. At the same time, Jesus is readying himself. The Lord is readying Jesus. The Lord is saying, hey, angels, go and get your trumpets ready. It's about ready at the time. And what we start to see right now is that during the greatest hardship the world has ever seen, we actually will also indeed see the greatest evangelism, the greatest rising up of new preachers and pastors. And we will see days like we've never seen day before, where people have been brought into the Lord. And we talk about the rapture, we talk about tribulation, we talk about Antichrist, and we come to a moment of the second coming of Christ. And there's going to be a great battle, a battle called Armageddon. I joked with the guys this morning and says, it's because you want to get me Armageddon out of here. <laughs> you don't want to be there. The Bible says it will happen in a valley called Megiddo. It's the valley in Israel. And just before it hits the worst moment in history, the Bible says that Jesus is coming back. He's coming back with the words, King of Kings on his thigh. He's coming back with long white hair. He's coming back with a sword on his hands. He's coming back riding a white victorious horse. This is the Lord that we have. And he'll be calling the believers of the time. He'll be calling you and I, will you ride with me? And we start to see the two coming together in this valley. We see the, this battle of Armageddon start to come together. And the Bible says, actually, He calls us, and it's like we'll have swords in our hands, 
We'll be chasing Arthur. It'll be like a, a scene out of Braveheart, the movie. And we'll be ready to, to go to Trojan warfare during this time. But the funny thing is we're with Him, but we don't have to do anything because He's already done everything. At the battle of Armageddon, the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians verses two, chapter 2, it says, that the man of lawlessness, this is the Antichrist, will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth. He's looking victorious and gladiator-like, but there's actually zero battle going on. Because what happens is just a simple breath and it's over. This is the majesty. This is the mightiness. This is the size, the enormity of the God that we worship. That there's no battle actually that even takes place. We're there with Him. But what happens is just with a single breath, it's all over. It's actually almost a bit of like an anticlimax in some ways. You think, oh, I'd love to be able to see some sort of battle. But here's the thing. The enemy's already been defeated. It knows it's defeated. And the Bible actually says that in other translations that with just one nostril, breath comes around and the enemy is defeated. And again, my head goes to funny places where I think myself, he comes up on his white horse, he leans over and it's all over. It's all over. And for eternity, the enemy is defeated. For eternity, Satan is cast off to hell. For eternity, we then find ourselves in reigning with Christ during this time. For eternity, we then have all the rights as, as heirs to the kingdom, heirs to the throne for the rest of our lives, the rest of our existence. This is the God that we worship. And it makes a big difference for the time that we find ourselves in here. It's where I'm passionate about stirring people up here tonight and today and say, hey, what happens now makes a big difference for eternity. There's going to be some short-term time stuff here, but there is a time that we are coming to where Christ will return, that we will reign mightily with Him and that we will find ourselves in eternity forever with Him. People ask, what's going to happen, Dan? That is what's going to happen. And there are a whole bunch of things that, again, when you read through the Word and there's interpretations and there's rabbit warrens, you can go down. But in the simplest form, Jesus is coming back. And He asks the question, are you ready? Are you with me? We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.